Hello and welcome to the Career Builders Podcast. I'm Mike Bird. I'm Lisa Pekosek. And today we're talking about seeking out and leveraging informational interviews so that you can build your career. And we have a very special guest with us today. We have Stacey Pollock on the show. Stacey's a career development specialist who helps employees and leaders build new skills through innovative programs and workshops. She's worked with startups and large publicly traded organizations to help emerging leaders at every level build fulfilling careers. She regularly shares her insights on career building, job searching, and anything else related to workplace dynamics on the Glassdoor blog. That's pretty big. Her work has been featured on sites like NBC News, Motley Fool, Fast Company, Thrive Global, and more. Stacy, welcome to the Career Builders Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This should be a lot of fun. Tell me, like, explain this to me like I am a six-year-old right now. What is an informational interview? Okay, so an informational interview is basically seeking out somebody in a job that may potentially interest you um, in a very you know non-aggressive way just to learn more about what it is they're doing, how they got there, or you know information that would be helpful to you. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. What so when you're making an approach to someone that you're interested in in knowing more about the job of like what what does that look like? Yeah, so for for me when I want to learn more about a specific role or program, um, I'll usually start with LinkedIn. So just to give you a specific example of something mm-hmm. I recently did, uh, I recently went to do my certification in change management. And there are tons of different programs out there. And picking one um, is a bit nebulous. Mm -hmm. So I just went to LinkedIn and I searched change management. And then I basically connected with everybody on the first like two or three pages who had a change management certification. And whoever responded, whoever accepted my uh, request, then I would send them out a message just explaining like, hey, I'm just looking for information on change management. I see you have the certification. You had 10 minutes to spare. Would love to chat. Cool. And and would you get on the phone with them typically or was it more of a written response that you'd get? Um, sometimes it's more... Good question. I would say there is no one that happens more or the other. Some people okay. are more old school. They want to hop on the phone and have a conversation. Some people will just grab their phone and type on the go. Typically, I find people who want to chat on the phones are one who see your request as like a bi-directional relationship. Like, oh, I can share advice with this person and I see that they're, you know, working at XYZ and they Mm -hmm. study at XYZ and maybe they'll be able to share some of that back with me. Okay. So looking for something that brings mutual benefit. Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. Lisa, can you relate to, to that at all? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I found that generally people who would like to connect and learn more about you as well as you're reaching out for that inter- informational interview, um, it tends to be more of a longer conversation. Yeah. Okay. And what what makes this a valuable strategy? Like, why is it a good strategy for building a career? Sure. Well, at different stages of your career, I think it has different benefits. So when I was first starting school, when I was first starting uh, working after finishing school, I didn't exactly have that much to offer in terms of experience. 
but I had a good attitude and I had a lot of determination. So reaching out to people through that lens of like, hey, I'm a new graduate, you know, I'm just looking for information. Could you help me out? You know, everybody's been a new graduate at some point in their mm -hmm. life and everybody has had that first uh, that first person who said like, yeah, sure, I'll give you 10 minutes of my time and who knows where that has led for them. Mm -hmm. So I often find it's just a bit of a softer ask than reaching out to someone and saying like, hey, can you give me a job? <laughs> or hey, can you do this for me? Um, I don't really find that approach works well with people. But if you just approach them, you know, like you're not really looking for anything from them besides that conversation. Yep. Um, it just lands well with better. So yeah, earlier on, earlier on in my career, I did that a lot. Uh, I would say that I got my first three or four jobs from taking that approach. Wow. Nice. Yeah. I actually, I moved from Montreal to Toronto just based on like an email I had sent out to a director, which then turned into a call with a recruiter the next day. And two weeks later, I was packing my bags. Wow. Very cool. Okay. A really integral part of your own career, not just something you've, you've written about this topic. And yeah. it's something we can link to in, in our show notes for sure. How have you found the response from people generally? You said you sent out a bunch of LinkedIn messages. How many responses do you usually get? So I try to treat it like a sales cycle in a way. Mm -hmm. So I'll make a list of like 50 people in a targeted area that I'd want to be chatting with. And then I'll actually keep a spreadsheet of all those people and which medium I'm re reaching out to them through. Mm -hmm. Again, like similar to as if you're building out a sales cycle, your funnel. And then with each interaction, I'll just record like what I said, what the message was, and then what their response is so that I could keep track of the back and forth that we're having and kind of test what's working and what's not. But I do find that typically people are very open to responding. I'd say at least 50% of the time I get a response back. That's awesome. That's pretty awesome. That's a good closing rate for sure on, on that ask. Yeah. Like I, I think if you just approach people with the right attitude and the right sort of temperament, mm -hmm. um, I mean, there's no reason to not respond unless you're super busy, of course. And I try not to get, like upset. if someone doesn't respond, I don't take it personally. I just move on to the next person. Yeah, Neat. that's great. How strategic have you gotten in terms of your targeting of who you've gone after for these interviews? Pretty strategic. Yeah. Uh, I think in any job search or information search, it's important to create filters for yourself because mm -hmm. otherwise you might experience some analysis paralysis like it's easy to just sit and message and message and message and just take in information without doing any actioning of that information hmm. um, especially when you're not exactly sure what you're looking for so for example when i moved out to toronto i was looking for learning and development jobs in toronto so uh, i did boolean searches so putting learning and development in brackets and toronto and then you just get a list of everybody that pops up that's in that field. And then based on that, you can narrow your search down to who would have the right information for you. So if it's people, if you're looking to understand how people get into a company, then, you know, I would maybe look at people who had just a few years of experience at that, that role or that company. If you're looking for, for someone who's a decision maker, then I'd probably mm -hmm. try and target somebody at a more managerial level. So it really just depends what you're looking for. 
what kind of information you're seeking to get. That's really awesome. Wow. And super valuable. It's not something that I have gone through my career really uh, implementing as a strategy. Mm -hmm. Well, I started my career in headhunting and okay. while I did not enjoy the job, I quit after three months. <laughs> um, got to my nice desk. Try. It was good. Yeah. Good got college to my dry. Desk. Yeah, it was my first job after college. I was like, this is sick. I'm going to make 100K right out of college. Can't Woo! wait. <laughs> like, they promised me this. I, like, can't wait. Um, didn't work out, but I did learn a lot about building out your client list and how to, again, use LinkedIn to really target people. Cool. Amazing. What would you say to somebody who is nervous to send out an email to somebody that they don't know? Ultimately, it doesn't, it's not worth being nervous about because the worst thing that could happen is that you're left in the exact same position that you're in right now. No one's ever going to, I mean, like I've done some pretty, I've made some pretty huge mistakes in my communications, like in my jobs in the past, sending out emails to people and I'm happy to share any of them. And, you know, I've survived despite them. Yeah. So <laughs> I would say that as long as you're being forthright, then there's really not too much concern that you should have. I would always think about like how you're coming off to people on the other end. Mm -hmm. So rather than being nervous about it, just think about, you know, like if you were on the receiving end of this email, um, how would you feel if this landed in your inbox on a Monday when you have a million other things to do? Because I think that gets lost often when people communicate via email. Mm -hmm. Like if I get an email that's like eight blocks of text <laughs> and I'm running from meeting to meeting, I'm just like, what is this? Like, why, what are you saying? Delete. It's a yeah, great point. Like, like Insta delete or if it's like riddled with mistakes and stuff like that, I'll probably just not take it seriously. So just being mindful of those things will just help you build your confidence and your credibility. I love that. Okay. So like, how, aside from sending something that is really just too long for human attention spans of, of today, or just coming across as maybe rude or maybe too desperate, like, are there any other faux pas that you can imagine here? Yeah, I think that when you're reaching out to someone, you always have to put your what's in it for me spin on it mm -hmm. for the other person. Mm -hmm. I think that also gets lost. Like even me, I'll get emails sometimes from people being like, I just moved here. Help me get a job. And I'm like, what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it's like the same way if you get like a sales pitch and someone just emails you in your inbox and they're like, are you like, let's connect at three o'clock today. And you're like, what? Um, so and I guess that's that's my personal approach. I know yep. other people feel differently. Like my boyfriend works in sales and every time I ask him to read a message, like read over an email that I'm sending, he's always like, be more direct and just make your ask right away mm -hmm. because you're like just beating around the bush and I tend to take a less direct approach. So I guess mm -hmm. it's just a matter of opinion. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just not coming off like too brash and too like, Hey, give me something yeah. like this from you. It shouldn't feel like spam, obviously. Yeah, it shouldn't feel like spam. Like you want to build a case for whatever it is you're asking for. A little bit of flattery goes a long way when you're reaching out to somebody for something like this. Mm -hmm. And just remembering that, you know, a person and you have to compel a person to want to help you. 
Mm-hmm. So if somebody's agreed to meet with you, do you have a strategy for the conversation? Yes. So the first thing I do, and this is like me putting my learning and development hat on, is hmm. I would treat it like I would like any learning session. So I would right away ask them for their email, and then I would send something to their calendar invite just to put it in, make sure I have their number because it's like really awkward when it gets to the time that you're supposed to chat and you realize that nobody's um, nobody's like giving each other your numbers. Uh, Another thing I find a little bit awkward when people do is if they're asking you for an informational interview and then they expect you to call them at that given time. Oh, yeah. Like it happens to me all the time now. Like people will ask me like on the flip side, like, hey, can you call me at this time? And I'm like, well, you're kind of asking me for help. Like, why are you putting this onus on me to reach out to you? Mm-hmm. Uh, so really like telling the person, hey, I'll reach out to you at this time so that they'll know, they know to expect your call. And then I'd also have an agenda. Well, I wouldn't like read out your agenda on the call, but you know, keeping a mental list of exactly what uh, pieces you'd want to know from them. I definitely learned in my experiences to lead the call versus expecting the other person to lead the call. Mm-hmm. So when I first started doing this, uh, I'll never forget. I reached out to some manager at Deloitte and like. I was like blown away that they agreed to talk to me. And then when I got on the phone with them, I was so nervous and I was just like waiting for them to lead. And she just said like, what, what, like, what do you want? She's like, it's okay that you called me, but like, like, what do you want? Tell me. And I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. That's true. Yeah. I'll, I'll like fill this awkward silence somehow. Yeah. So just go in with the plan, like look at their profile, look at their education, look at their experiences and figure out exactly what it is you want to know from them. And if you do have an ask from them, make sure you know what that is ahead of time so that you're not just aimlessly like dilly-daddling on a call with them and wasting mm-hmm. their time. Mm-hmm. What could some of those asks potentially be? Well, I would say you'd have to gauge how the conversation is going. Mm-hmm. So if you're feeling like you're you're really connecting with this person, you know, they might in their back of their minds say like be thinking, Oh, I actually have an open role in my team. Um, you know, you'd be a good fit. You should consider applying. So you should always let the person know that you are interested in working. Like if you're calling because you genuinely are interested in their team, Mm -hmm. you could always say like, you know, obviously no pressure, but if anything ever opens up, like I'd love, I'd love uh, to give you my contact information, but I would only do that if you're feeling like the conversation is going well and that that person is also heading there. Like I've definitely gotten interviews at big companies through doing this because you have to also take into account that um, people are people, some people will get employee referrals if they refer somebody who gets hired. So there is an incentive for them as well. Mm -hmm. Again, I wouldn't like go in with the kill for that in every call. I'd really feel the person out. um, But if there is an opportunity to make that ask, I would for sure do that. You can also ask them like, you know, I'm in this field. Do you happen to know anybody else that would be a good person for me to chat with about this? Like I'm just looking for information and looking to build my network. And mo- more often than not, people will say, yeah, I actually do. Like you should reach out to this person. I'm sure mm-hmm. they'd love to chat with you about this. Uh, I've, Again, also built a lot of connections this way with people. When I moved from Montreal to Toronto, I didn't know anybody in the city. So I did like a lot of just kind of networking through that. And 
yeah, just looking, just like let them know that you want to keep the relationship and keep in connection and see if there's anything that you can offer to them as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually had a similar experience when I was getting into coaching. Um, and I, I apologize for my dog in the background. She's decided to run around. Amazing. <laughs> okay. I work at a virtual company and we basically just get to know each other's dogs at every meeting. So it's all good. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, so when I was getting into coaching, I ended up, I wasn't sure which direction I wanted to go. And I had a conversation with the HR department at the company that I was working at. And that person connected me with another person in another HR department within the same company. And that person then connected me with a coach who really got the ball rolling for me in my own career. So even one relationship or one coffee can lead to so many other things. Yeah, I completely couldn't agree more with that. And again, you'll always find those people who are too busy, but for every person who's like too busy, there'll be two more who are just as interested in networking as you are. So you just have to keep the ball rolling and just keep going forward. Have you found any additional benefits outside of, you know, looking for a job or expanding your network that have come up for you? Yeah, I think that beyond the job searching, just getting to know people in the same industry as you um, really offers a lot of support for yourself and whatever it is you're doing. Uh, you know, even, you know, Mike, I met you literally walking across the street in Montreal a couple of weeks ago. And here we are now on a podcast. So yeah. it's just really important to share, share with people when you can share and build the connections. If it, it's a very good, like long-term career strategy, I would say, and you never know who you're going to meet, who's going to turn out to be a good friend, a good mentor, mm -hmm. who you can end up helping. You know, I remember when I, again, when I made that, that move from Montreal to Toronto, I literally had zero experience on my resume. So when people agreed to talk to me, I was like genuinely so touched and blown away. <laughs> and then when I did end up getting my job, I was working at Hudson's Bay Company, which is a pretty like well-known organization. And when the people I had initially reached out to saw that I had started working there, there was an opportunity for me to help them out and connect them. You know, everyone, yeah. a lot of people are like vendors or companies that you know wanted to be a vendor of the Hudson's Bay and I was always very happy to connect them to the right people um, because I was just grateful you know for the time that they'd given me and it was like a no-brainer that I would return that favor to them that's amazing yeah or even and even now with my writing I'm always looking for different subject matter experts to interview and a lot of the people who again get like took the time to speak to me when I didn't really have much going on um, and, you know, you nurture that long-term relationship are now like the main people who I interview in almost every one of my articles. And it ends up being like really good free PR for them as well. Mm -hmm. So it's mm -hmm. always a good symbiotic relationship that you can build. That's amazing. Yeah. And it's something we've talked a little bit about, about before on the show, just the idea of an abundance mindset where there is potentially limitless opportunity in, in what we're doing. It's not, we're not in some sort of dog eat dog type of cycle. Yeah, exactly. And I think where people go wrong is they, they look at somebody reaching out to them and think like, there's not really any value of me talking to you, so mm -hmm. I'm not going to talk to you. But when you think like that, you are thinking with that scarcity mindset and yep. not that abundance mindset. Yeah, totally. Do you feel this strategy 
is more beneficial to people who are in their mid-career or are just starting out like you were? Probably the initial benefit is for the person who's starting out, Mm -hmm. but the person who is in, you know, the more mature part of their career definitely benefits as you start to mature as well. And, you know, just to give you a prime example of that, my first internship that I ever had, again, was through an informational interview. A friend had put me in touch with an executive recruiter uh, who, again, was in Toronto. We ended up on the phone for like two hours and I was able to make that, turn that into an internship with this guy. And, you know, six years later, he's still my mentor today. I do a lot Mm. of work for him. I interview him for my articles. Uh, So maybe at the time it wasn't, you know, anything of huge value to him. But as our relationship kind of evolved, we've been able to help each other out in our businesses and and personal lives. Um, So I would say as the relationship grew, it became more equalized. Very cool. I'm able to help him, you know, keep his pulse on what's happening with the millennials, as he likes to call it, because sometimes mm-hmm. he does things are, are a little bit gener- generationally outdated. So I keep him honest. Okay. So having a connection to someone who's in a, at a different uh, generational level from you can be mutually beneficial in that yeah. sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Very neat. Lisa, do you want to take a lead? I think you've got uh, at least a few questions for sure. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, if you could have an informational interview with anyone at this point in your career, is there anyone that you've really been wanting to, to reach out to or that you haven't? Uh, ooh. Okay. So my ultimate professional uh, model, I would say, is Dory Clark. I love her. I read her book, Entrepreneurial You, and it totally sparked this, like I, this whole freelance work that I've been doing in the writing, I was doing it very sporadically and I was not really strategizing at all while doing it. And then I read her book and I was like, Oh, I have to take this more seriously. Like I, she's like helping me get it. Thanks Dory. And I, yeah. And then I actually was writing an article and I just like emailed her blindly asking if she'd want to be interviewed for it. And she magically said, yes. So I was really pumped. I got to interview her. So I got to sneak in like a little bit of informational interview in there. Uh, but she was definitely like someone I always wanted to meet. There are definitely other people. Uh, Laszlo Bach from Google, obviously. He's like the HR guru. And I'm sure there are others, but I can't think of any right now. That's awesome. Yeah. It's neat to see that you have gone out and you've like taken a bit of a reach and you've gone outside your comfort zone. I would imagine that's maybe what it felt like when you reached out to Dory initially and then the positive response comes back and yeah. Like, wow. Every time someone agrees to speak to me, who's way beyond my reach, I'm genuinely like, why? <laughs> but uh, it's a good lesson in, you know, easing your imposter syndrome sure. and also just remembering that, you know, it doesn't really matter what level people are at. Uh, they are just people like yep. you and I, and there's always a way to level set and find something that you can connect with. And doesn't you don't always have to look at people who are, let's say, like, quote, unquote, ahead of you mm-hmm. as ahead of you. They're just people. Yep. Um, so once I got over that sort of stressor of, oh, they're like so much more ahead of me, 
or once I did it enough times and enough people responded, I got over that fear of, of doing it, I guess. If that makes sense. Yeah. That was a very unpolished response, but. No, that's okay. <laughs> I, I like sort of implied that maybe you saw Dory Clark as being too far ahead of you and that this was a big deal, but I, I'm in either case. Yeah, no, on. but it, it, it is, it is like something that I find an interesting concept because yeah. even when I was in university, I remember when I was doing this, I somehow landed on the phone with like some directors at Exxon Mobil. And I was like, I'm talking to this guy from this company, like Exxon Mobil. Like, do you know of it? <laughs> Just being like so oblivious. Just a small mom and pop gas station. Yeah, literally. <laughs> that's, that's what I thought. Like, so he, he had come in to speak to my university cohort because he knew my professor and then me just being like relentless, like emailed him after class being like, hey, that was so great. Can I call you? And hmm. uh, we ended up chatting for like two hours. Turns wow. out like, his son parties at the same bar that I used to go to in Montreal and two hours later, I don't even know where we were at, so... Yeah, just kind of going for it, not being afraid or not go not going for it with the self-perception that you're you don't have anything to offer because you always do have something to offer. Sure. Sure. It's kind of like our our first uh episode when we talked about interviews and not putting somebody on a pedestal because it's all everyone's a human. Everyone's, yeah. you know, most people are happy to help you and they likely had somebody in their career who did the same for them. So yeah, exactly. And I will say I have been fortunate in that all of my roles, uh, all my corporate roles, have been he very heavily involved with the leadership with the leadership team at my company. So mm -hmm. I've become more comfortable working with that like executive level, let's say, and understanding mm -hmm. that they're just people like you and I. But um, yeah, it is important to to take that lens off and just talk to them like people are people. Yep, absolutely. I think that's great career advice in general, though, because a lot of times it's us getting in our own heads instead of the actual people who are above us, air quotes. Um, and so it's just kind of treating everybody with respect and professionalism. Yeah, exactly. And when somebody makes themselves available to you to speak, like not being afraid to actually take that opportunity. Yeah. Uh, I remember in one of my jobs, the executive team decided that they're going to they're going to hold open lunch hours and basically sit in the cafeteria like every Wednesday from 12 to 1. Everyone from like the CFO to the CHRO and no one took it. Everyone would just like walk by them like they were invisible because they're too nervous to go talk to them. Wow. That's like, this is an amazing science experiment. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. That's, that's pretty interesting insight. I can think of one moment where I like approached someone that might've had a position of status and it just didn't occur to me like what I was really doing. I was 17 at the time, but this is how I actually got into university football. I got, uh, I got to McGill brand new on the scene, new in Montreal from Vancouver. And I'm standing outside, like kind of semi stalking this office for the head coach and, uh, had, had the coach's name on the outside of the door. And I just watched one man go into the office and I walk up to the doorway and there's only one desk in there and he's sitting at that desk. And I, I awkwardly asked the question, like, are you coach so-and-so? 
and ultimately, yeah, just like sitting down and saying, is, is there a way that I can help you? Uh, and totally did not have that lens of like, this is, this is a former pro coach and this guy has been at it for so long and he's probably got a billion things to do right now, but just like sat down and within about 30 minutes, you know, I was part of that organization. Yeah. You you don't get what you don't ask for. Exactly. Yeah. So true. So, uh, what's the biggest risk that you've taken in your own career and how did it turn out? Biggest risk. So when I moved to Toronto, I I was having a lot of trouble in Montreal finding a job. Mm-hmm. And I also just wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. And I was just really all over the map. And I got put in touch with somebody from the Hudson's Bay company. And they were like, we have this internship program. It's for undergrads so you'd be like wait and at this point I had already had like a year or two of working experience I'd gone back to school to do my master's in educational technology so taking this internship would be from like a salary perspective a big step down because it was an undergraduate internship 12-week program and I was like well I'm like a master's student and I'm graduating looking to like launch my career but sure why not let's give it a go and to graduate from my master's program, I actually had to do a four-month internship. Mm-hmm. So not only was I taking an undergrad internship, but I was taking a two-month internship. And they were like, we can't guarantee you that we'll extend, but you know, you can come for the two months and we'll see what happens. So then I packed my bags, moved to Toronto, like literally within a week and a half of starting these conversations. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, it was like a pretty big move. I had to like, you know, I was like living with the partner at the time and I had to like make the decision like, okay, what are we doing? So Uh had to get a car, had to find a place to live in Toronto. So like literally within the span of a week and a half, I had just like kind of turned my life upside down and moved to Toronto, um, which was really crazy at the time. Your to-do list at that point must have been just out of this world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And on on top of that, the job was like 45 minutes out of the city. It was just a lot. So anyways, the two months turned into four months. And then that four months turned into two years uh, with that job. And it was a great experience and has really set me up for a lot of uh, the successes that I've seen today. So I'm really grateful for that time and that opportunity because it really was a time in my life that was really, really ambiguous. And difficult and challenging, but uh, over time have given me some of the best life lessons and learnings I could have asked for. That's really cool. Thanks for sharing Mm -hmm. that. All right. And the last question is, uh, what's the best piece of career advice you've ever gotten? Mm -hmm. Okay. So I would say the best life advice I've ever gotten probably be from my shrink. God bless her. Uh, she always tells me to stop thinking. So I'm, I'm like at point A and I'm trying to predict what's going to happen all the way at Z. And that gives me a lot of stress in my career because I get so worked up about what I haven't accomplished yet Mm -hmm. that you forget about what you have accomplished and you don't think about like, you know, one foot in front of the other. So the best advice she gave me was like, 
okay, you're at A, so maybe start thinking about step B and step C, but you won't be able to get to the end of the alphabet without, you know, going through it. So it really taught me to just take a step back and focus on, you know, what is the next one year of my life going to look like, mm -hmm. two years. And I think it's really good to have, you know, whatever, a five-year plan, 10-year plan, sure, but not to hold on to that too tightly because things change so quickly and you have to be able to adapt to that and just take the curveballs and ride the waves as they come. Yes. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, that's what about you valuable. guys? Do you guys have life advice? Your best life advice, career advice? Ooh, turning it around. I like that. <laughs> I, I'm going to, almost need a moment on this one to just sort of like go through my mental files. Lisa, do you want to go first? Yeah, for sure. Um, it was, it came from somebody, I was an accountant prior to becoming a coach and it was at the CPA organization and I was, I'd finished my MBA and um, I was starting to interview and he was basically like, nobody cares about your MBA. What have you, <laughs> what have you done? What, what experience do you have? that you can show somebody to say, I can do the job. And I think that that was probably the greatest advice that I had gotten because there were so many people who are graduating and saying, I got an MBA, so you should give me this, this, and this. And so it allowed me to go in with zero expectations and say, "This, I, I'm ready to prove myself. Nice. Okay, I think, I think I've got something. Uh, took me a moment. For me, I, I would probably sum it up as seek discomfort. Mm. So for me, learning French, I went into an immersion environment. I went into a, an organization that was, you know, 99% francophone. And most days, they were long days. It was a football job. And so, so we were kind of in the office from about maybe eight or nine in the morning till often like around 11 at, at night. And it was just like the lifestyle that we adopted. So that for a lot of people in itself can be uncomfortable, but for, for me at the time it was a good fit. But I mean, by the end of those days, my head hurt every day, every day, as I'm just listening to these things happening around mm -hmm. me that I just don't intuitively instinctively get. And over time, uh, my ears changed, my brain changed and I developed the language skills that I wanted really, really quickly. Um, but just going into that whole scene, knowing that I was going to be outside of my comfort zone, that to me has been sort of the, the big accelerator on my career. So I, whenever I'm looking at, at a new opportunity or if I'm trying to take a new approach at something, uh, at work, it's like how the question I ask myself is how uncomfortable will I be? And if there is a lot of discomfort coming, that's probably a great thing truth yeah awesome yeah appreciate you turning that around on us that's good <laughs> I'm, I'm used to being the one like facilitating and yeah. doing leadership roundtables so it's it's an act of practice for me to just sit here and answer the questions <laughs> amazing where can people find you you can find me on linkedin okay you can find me on my personal website at stacypollack.com yeah, or on Twitter. Uh, I don't even know what my Twitter handle is. StacyP91. There we go. Boom. <laughs> Love it. Do you have any final words for our dear listeners? Building your career takes time and is a journey and not a destination. 
So enjoy. Boom. <laughs> Mic drop. We'll, we'll end on that for sure. Lisa, you're good? Absolutely. Cool. Thank you so much, Stacy. Appreciate that. For sure. This is fun. Yes. Let's do this again one day for sure. Uh, it'd be our pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please check out Stacy. She's obviously a huge fountain of knowledge and just wonderful to, to talk to. We hope you tune in next week for episode six of the Career Builders podcast. I'm Mike Bird. Lisa Pekosek. I'm Stacey Pollack. <laughs> we'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye.